0: And uh, 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 you're coming up, right? I heard it makes relief. I <laughs> <laughs> All right, turn in your Bibles to chapter 12. Uh, turn, turn, turn in your books to chapter 12, page 241, and your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And then chapter 12 in your books. <clears throat> okay, chapter 12, which is page 241 in your book, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah it's chapter chapter one or no chapter 12 Bob starts with a starts with a c <clears throat> all right this uh this chapter is uh to uh, is entitled go and tell the good news um what can anybody and I'm sure it's in here um not at the beginning but I'm, I'm sure it's in here but can anybody tell me um what we call the great Commission? Okay, Matthew chapter 28, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. So this this passage, this chapter in the book is is talking about our responsibility to go tell the good news. Um, <clears throat> uh, let's go ahead and start reading. Uh, page 241, uh, near the bottom of the, of the inter- introduction. It says, The greatest news in the entire world is the message of salvation. That Jesus died to pay for our sins, that He rose from the dead, and that He um, offered forgiveness to all who will trust Him as, sa- as their Savior. This is called the Gospel, <clears throat> which means the good news. So let, let me ask you a question, just right out of the right out of the gate. <clears throat> I disagree somewhat with the author of the book. Okay, can anybody tell me why based on this statement? Well, okay, well I'm I, I'm just okay, it, the gospel is the good news, okay? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? That's what the author of this is saying if you read prior to that. But he's leaving something out. Nobody. Really? Okay. Let me ask you a question to, to answer my question. Does... The good news of the gospel stop in our lives when we get saved? No. So, according to this statement, it's, it makes it sound like, or at least this opening chapter or, or paragraph, it makes it sound like that the good news is limited to the salvation message. And I disagree with that because the gospel is the good news. It is the good news. When I got saved, I was set free I was no longer bound by sin the, the the sanctification process started in my life Paul says it this way old things are passed away behold all things are become new that that sanctification that change that takes place in a person's life is part of the good news it is not limited to what uh, we you know we talked earlier about the two boys that were saved today? <clears throat> According to this paragraph, <clears throat> it's it's the, the good news or the gospel is limited to to what they heard today. The good news lives on. You follow me? <clears throat> you don't? Talk to me. No, no, what, what he was saying before. Okay, the greatest news to the entire world is the message of salvation. Now, that is a true statement. Okay, that is the greatest message. No, but it doesn't stop there. That's what, and that Jesus died. <clears throat> see, <clears throat> when I got saved, God, that's when God started working in my life. <clears throat> and he's continuing to work in my life. So the, 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 the good news of the gospel doesn't stop when we get saved. It continues on. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, somebody uh, read verse 1. Okay. Okay, jump down to verse three and three and four for according to the. Okay, so the message of salvation is the good news, okay? We all agree to that, okay. But the sanctifying good news that God continues to work in our lives doesn't stop when we get saved. God's going to continue to work in our hearts and our lives. God used someone to bring this message to you, and it is now your privilege to bring it to others. In today's story or excuse me, study, uh, we discover God's plan for getting the message to the entire world. Your part in that plan is how the Holy Spirit empowers you for the job. So, uh, lesson 12. We are commanded to spread the gospel. We are commanded to spread the gospel. I'm going to share with you my testimony. I've shared it with at at our church many times. Some of you may want to take a nap. I don't care. Um, But you know what? You may get tired of hearing my testimony. I never get tired of telling my testimony. I love telling what God has done in my life. My testimony starts in a in a bar outside the Navy base in Charleston, South Carolina. I was sitting there with a friend of mine named Joe. And Joe looked at me that night and he said, said, Rick, he said, this is my last beer. And I I looked at my watch. I said, yeah, it's getting kind of late. We probably ought to get back to the ship. And he said, no, you don't understand. This is my last beer. So I didn't know quite what to do with that. So we just finished up, and we got in my car and drove back to the base. And as we were walking up the pier to the ship, Joe stopped me and he says, "He said Rick, I need you to do me a favor." And I said, sure, "Sure, what? What's that?" And he said, "I need you to come to my office." Okay. So we got on board the ship. We went to his office, and he. Joe walked over to his desk and he, I remember the top, it was the top left hand drawer of his desk. He opened it up and he pulled out a Bible and he explained to me that he was a Christian. And he made this statement to me. He said, Rick, from this day forward, I'm going to live for God. And he opened his Bible and he shared with me the gospel and he went through the, plan of salvation, probably very similar to what your boys heard today. And he said, Rick, he said, will you accept Jesus Christ in your heart? Would you, will you pray? Will you get saved tonight? I looked my friend in the face and I said, no. And I turned around and walked out. For about two or three weeks, I'm not quite sure of the time frame because I wasn't wasn't keeping track, but it was about two or three weeks, everything he told me kept going around and around and around in my head. And I had trouble sleeping, as you can imagine. And when I finally could sleep, you know, when I was awake, everything he told me, to, and and I, I finally, I got to the end of my my rope, so to speak. One night on the ship. And I went to a part of the ship where I knew there wouldn't be anybody. And uh, I just, I, I got in this room by myself and I just started literally crying out to God and saying, God, what do you want from me? I don't know, that could have lasted Twenty minutes it could have lasted two hours. I honestly, I don't know i was I was emotionally I was spent and nothing happened. I don't know if I what I was waiting for, but nothing happened. And I thought, well, I guess I might as well get some sleep. try and get some sleep. So I made my way down to the birthing apartment and as i Made my way across the birthing compartment. There were two guys standing there talking. I, I didn't know either one of them. And one of them said, Hey, you come here. So I stopped and turned around and went back and said, Yeah, what do you want? And he stuck his finger in my face. He says, Are you a Christian? And I said, No, I'm not. He says, Do you want to be? Said, you know, as a matter of fact, I do. And he took his Bible and he shared with me again the plan of salvation. And I remember praying that night. And as that night when I prayed, I don't know, I'm not a, I'm an emotional person, but I just felt that something had changed in my life. And later, as I left and I, went, I, did, I finally went to bed, I remembered laying in bed and the hole that I had felt in my life. I mean, there were times in my life <clears throat> that I would literally look down to see if there was a hole And I tried everything in the world to fill that void in my life. When I remember laying in that that bed that night on the ship, and for the first time in my life, that void was gone. And I associated that feeling with the prayer that I had just done, asking God to forgive me of my sin. So... being the intelligent person that I am I did not want that feeling that void ever to come back so I st- laying in bed I started confessing every sin that I could ever remember committing and this is heresy I know but I, this is what I did <clears throat> when I when I got done confessing all my sins I started commi- I, I started confessing sins that my brother had done. And I, I had this thought, just in case the bookkeeping is not too good up there, <clears throat> I didn't want to get blamed for something he did. <clears throat> i, I, I thats That's the truth. I did that. That's my story. That's my testimony. I have shared that testimony with literally hundreds of people. And I, I love telling that story because God, from that moment forth, has done so much in my life. And I am so thankful for all that he's done. But there's a lot to that story I didn't tell you. See, I just told you the, the story, if you would, of my conversion. Oh, and by the way, Joe, the guy who originally witnessed to me, the next day when I found him and told him I got saved, he got mad at me. He's like, man, I wanted to be the one to get you saved. You know, I'm like, dude, I'm sorry, you know. Anyway, so much had to happen before I got to that point in my life. That night, as I laid in bed, not able to sleep because I was just so excited about what God had done in my life, I decided to write a letter to an aunt and uncle of mine that at the time lived in Phoenix. See, part of the story I didn't tell you is that growing up, my mom's oldest sister and her husband were Christians. And every time we went to visit them, guess what we had to do? We had to go to church. And as a little boy, they were the only Christian influence I had for for many years of my youth. I remember one summer, they came to our home, and my cousin Tim, who is the oldest of the cousins and I'm 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 one of the youngest so there's a great you know years there there's a lot of years between us but I was probably I don't know 7 8 years old and he was old enough to be dating a girl and I just remember the way that they acted toward each other was so unlike any relationship I had ever seen because they were Christians and they they just did things different. I didn't know. But that left an impression on a little boy's mind. Then every time we would have a meal with that family, we would pray over the meal. Something else I didn't tell you about was when I was junior high, yeah, it would have been junior high. How how old junior high, 15? 12 and 14, okay. So I, would, I was probably close to 14, probably. <clears throat> I was in the Boy Scouts. And I loved the Boy Scouts. I mean, the Boy Scouts to me were, was everything. I, I loved the Boy Scouts. And <clears throat> I remember... One, one night, we were at a troop meeting, and I, I made an offhanded comment about, oh, I don't believe in God. Well, my scoutmaster just about ripped my head off and, and lectured me for probably 15 or 20 minutes about how you have to believe in God. There's a God in heaven, and I mean, he just laid into me. And he said, if you don't believe in God, because at that point, the Boy Scouts was a Christian organization he says, if you don't believe in God, you're going to have to get out of the the Boy Scouts. Well, I said, well, I don't want to do that, so I believe in God. (laughs) But that left an impression on me. I had a science teacher in high school. I think I shared this the other night. That instead of teaching evolution he uh, made the class debate creation and evolution and he planted seeds in my mind that to, to this very day I remember some of them my wife doesn't like this part but when I was a senior in high school I had a girlfriend who was a Christian why she was dating me I have no idea she shouldn't have been but she would drag me to church every once in a while and she would explain to me when the offering plate would go by and she would put money in it I'd say what are you doing And <laughs> she would explain to me the importance of giving money back to God and, and just different things she took me to a, a, a preaching event one time and, and it just, just, just different things See, what I didn't tell you in my testimony was all the events that God used, and there's actually many more, but for time's sake, I just can't go into all of them. But God, as a youth, used events all along my life, people, events, places, things, to get me to the point when on June 23rd, 1980, on board the USS Frank Cable, I would accept Christ at night. So what is the gospel? The gospel is just not limited to a half dozen verses out of the Bible to lead somebody to Christ. Christ. The gospel is every opportunity you have to influence somebody for the cause of Christ. That's part of the gospel. Because you never know. You never. My science teacher, I have tried for years to try and find my, my old science teacher and thank him for the influence he had in my life. But I I, I have no way of getting, I don't, I don't know where he's at. My ex-girlfriend, I was able to tell her, and she laughed at me because she had, by that time, had gotten away from God and was living for the world. But see, God used her. See, God uses us to influence people all along our way. Little comments that we make. Things like when somebody uses the Lord's name in vain in front of you at work, you can say something like, you know what, that offends me. Stand up for the things of God because you never know what the influence you can have in somebody's life. And this side of heaven, it's impossible to know. How we have influenced people. Let me let me share a story. I, I, I don't I don't think Chris would mind, uh, but how many of you know Chris Ridge? Okay, Chris is our the cable guy here in town. <coughs> when Melanie and I moved to Fernley 13 years ago. Chris was one of the, Chris was the first person in town I met. The, 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 the day after we moved into our house, I looked out the window and his truck was sitting across the street from us and w- I was waiting for the cable guy to come hook up our internet. So I walked out and I just I introduced myself and I said, "Hey, are you here to hook up our internet?" And he's like, "No, no, I don't do that." And he explained everything, and I said, "Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bother you." And so we—well, yeah, those of you that know Chris know Chris likes to talk and um, and talk and talk. And <clears throat> so he finally he he asked me, he says, "So why did you move to Fernley?" I said, "Well, my wife and I moved here to start a church. We're going to start a church here in town." And he's like, "Oh, well, that's you know that's neat and blah blah blah." Anyway, every time, that, and I didn't know this, but right across the street from us is a, is a, is a hub. And Chris works on the system that in town. So he actually is across the street from us kind of often. You know, we see him all the time. So every time he was over there, I made a point to go over and say, hey, Chris, how you doing? You know, been, been praying for you, buddy. And, you know, and just, just catch up and see what he's doing. And I did that for years. I, I would say about five years into the church, Melanie and I had been up at up, up at Lowe's of all places. And we pulled into the driveway, and Chris's truck was across the street, which was not unusual. And we got out of the car, and we were coming into the house. And, I mean, we barely got in the house, and there was a knock on the door. So I go to the door, and there's Chris. It's like okay, is there a problem with the cable? You know, is our, you know, our internet down or something? He's like, no. He says, I have a question for you. I said, okay, what's that? He said, can my family come to church at your, at your church? Nope. <laughs> yeah. I no. I know you, pal. Poof. No. Uh, you know, and, and you know what? They have all gotten saved here because of that. Amen. Uh, and how did that happen? That happened because I took the time to get to know him. And there are, you know, I could go on and on with stories, but my my point is this. The gospel is not limited to a few verses in the Bible. I I, I heard a quote one time, and I hope I get it right. I didn't think to look it up earlier. I just thought about it. There's a quote that I like. It says, your life may be the only gospel that some people read. I remember as I got saved that night, I I, I told a minute ago that I, I started to write a letter. I wrote a letter to my aunt and uncle in Phoenix. <clears throat> and the the reason I know that I was saved June 23rd 1980 is because of that letter. I I I I still have the letter. They actually saved it for me. And they gave it to me a few years ago. And and the post stamp on it is how I know the day I was saved. But basically the letter says something to the effect of, you know, I don't know if you understand what I'm about to say, but I accepted Jesus Christ into my life last night or tonight. And uh, the guy told me I'm saved or something, something like that. Well, my aunt and uncle wrote back just elated. And they will never know this side of heaven the influence that they had in my life. So, what is the gospel? The gospel is, yes, it is the good news. It is the, it is the portion of scripture that Jesus Christ died on the cross and that he rose from the dead. That is the gospel. But I believe the gospel is so much more than that. I have a question for you. <clears throat> Would you say that a person that shares the gospel is a representative to God? it's not a trick question okay okay the answer to that i think i think I think so. <coughs> What is another word for representative? Uh, okay, ambassador. Okay, uh, the college that I went to is it was named Ambassador Baptist College. Okay, the <clears throat> president of the college um, uh, sent a letter out to a lot of the graduates. I don't know if all I'm sure, probably all the graduates got it, <clears throat> but he let he he sent this letter out. And I wanted to share with you uh, the majority of this because I feel like um, what he says here is is very, very profound. Okay. He said, an ambassador by definition is one sent by a country as an official representative to a foreign country. Countries around the world send ambassadors to foreign countries to represent their interests and leaders. Did you know that every Christian is called an ambassador for Jesus Christ? Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. This, this happens to be the, 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 um, the, uh, the school's verse that, that, that we used to have to recite when, we, when I was a student there. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ that be reconciled unto God. So <clears throat> I'm not going to read the whole letter because he he ends up asking for money and all that. So that's that's not the that's not the point of the letter. <clears throat> what I wanted to share with you on the back of the letter. Did you get this by the way? I know you you've been there. I didn't know if you signed up for their their mailing list. Um, he he on the back he has here uh, marks five marks of an ambassador. And I had never thought about this before. The first mark is love. An ambassador uh, must have a love for the country that he represents. And he must have a respect and reverence for the leader of that country. Every Christian should be motivated to be an ambassador by their love for Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. And uh, he goes on to say, our our students are taught to serve the Lord out of a motivation of love and reverence to the Lord. So it is not just a fact. What would happen if we as as Americans or our president sent an ambassador to a country that that ambassador did not respect the president? Would that be a good thing? No, absolutely not. So one of the qualifications for an ambassador is to have love and respect for the leader of that country. And as as ambassadors for Jesus Christ, we should love and respect Jesus Christ. The second thing here is surrender. Surrender. The will of the king or sovereign, in our case, would be a president, is much more important than the will of the ambassador. If a Christian is going to do his job as an ambassador, he must be totally surrendered to the king of kings. Jesus uh, pictured this powerfully in in Gethsemane when he said, Not my will, but thine be done. Luke chapter 22, verse 42. It is not an ambassador's job to go to a foreign country and implement his own agenda. It is his responsibility to implement the agenda of the president that he represents. Ours should be Jesus Christ. Loyalty, number three. No one can truly... Be an ambassador unless he has loyalty to his leader. After all, Jesus has done for us, we should have no problem giving our allegiance to Him. Even as believers, we sometimes are, are, are steered astray in our loyalty by loving the world. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, instead of Christ. An ambassador must be loyal to one who is worthy. <clears throat> sacrifice when an ambassador serves his country he must leave his homeland and live sacrificially he does not live in his own house he will or, or he is unable to visit with his extended family and he will give up some of the comforts of his home a christian should be willing to give up everything for Christ because he gave his life willingly for us john chapter 10 verse 11 and then there's the message number 5 the message the message the ambassador brings is not his own but the one of his sovereign as christians we have the important message for the world to hear jesus died was buried and rose again according to the scripture. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 4. Many nations have never heard the message uh, of the cross. Romans chapter 10 verse 14. More preachers and ambassadors are needed to spread the message of the king. As I read that, as I read that, I was convicted because the reality is I'm not always a good ambassador for Jesus Christ. I don't always share the gospel when I need to. And as, and as we get into this, this, this passage here, this, this chapter of the, of the gospel, we need to understand that we have that responsibility as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Because we can influence people in ways that you can never imagine. I, again, I, I know for a fact that someday when I get to heaven, I'm going to see my science teacher and I'm going to hug his neck and I'm going to thank him. This side of heaven, he has no clue what he, the impact he had in my life. I had a coworker um, when I was in high school that, that was a very staunch Christian. and, and he, he, he used to preach at me all the time. Someday I'm going to be able to thank him. Never, never back down from telling the truth of the gospel. This coworker, of mine was—he was older than me. He was—he was, he was probably—I don't know—good, probably, probably ten years older than me. I remember coming to work one time, and ha- I had watched a movie. At, I had gone to the movie theater, and I was seeing a movie. I won't tell you which movie it is, because you won't want to know. But it was a really—anyway, uh, but it had some religious content to it. So I got, I went to work and I said, "Hey, I saw a religious movie," and he and he said, "Really?" I said, I told him. He was like, oh, "No, Rick, that's really bad." And he helped me understand what demons are and things like that. <clears throat> so, anyway, we can influence people for Christ. How many of you, how many of you were like me, you were saved older in life? Okay, a few of you. <clears throat> how many of you just right now can, can, can look back and see before you were saved, the, the people that influenced you along the way that had no idea that they had influenced you? Anybody? Exactly. Exactly we have the opportunity to influence people for the gospel. Let's take those opportunities every chance that we get. Just because you can't sit down with the Bible doesn't mean you can't encourage somebody. One of the things that I do, this is just me, one of the things that I do uh, for my unsaved neighbors, I'm constantly saying, hey, I'm praying for you. Praying for you. Most of them don't like that, but, you know, that's okay. I'm still going to pray for them. They don't know how I'm praying for them. I have, I have one person, I, I'll text them every once in a while and say, hey, I'm praying for you. And he every time he writes, back what did I do? It's like I have this secret thing with God. He tells me, you know, that I don't know. But, you know, influence people for the gospel. Influence me. Okay, let's get back to the book here. Um <laughs> Any questions before we move on? Because I I just threw a lot of stuff out there. Any any questions? Yes, ma'am. I have mm-hmm. a question, but it's more like a comment. I don't understand, you know, like I said, it was like a sermon. I can't see that a lot of things that other
1: people
0: didn't know about. A lot of people say that when go out there and try and, you know, just kind of sad, not that it's not true. Right. 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 And see, and people don't understand that kind of hope. Anybody else? Okay. Let's get go ahead and get back to. We are commanded to spread the gospel. When Jesus came uh, to Earth, His mission was to seek and to save the lost. Luke, somebody want to find Luke chapter 19. Oh, wrong way. Okay, go ahead and read it. Yes, 1910, yes. Okay, Um, Jesus very clearly defined his purpose for coming. He says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save, that which was lost. You know, um, <clears throat> let's go ahead and look, let's turn there because there's there's more to it. Um, uh, 19. I just went past it. Hold on. Okay, I must have been thinking of another passage. Anyway, but but Jesus very clearly defines his purpose for coming in and, and this this past this this verse here, um, in Luke chapter nineteen and verse ten. Um, <clears throat> uh, it, let's see, it says, when Jesus saw people lost in sin, his heart was moved with compassion for them. Uh, Matthew chapter nine verse thirty six. Uh, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Again, what was the thing that motivated Jesus? It was when he saw them. And and the reality is this, we will not be motivated to share the gospel until we see people where, where they are. When we see their needs, when we see the fact, that they are without Christ and they have no hope. That is when, that is when we can make a difference. It was was for this mission that Christ gave his life. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to uh, uh, be uh, ministered unto, but to minister unto. And to give his life a ransom for many. Okay, again, Jesus here. This was the verse I was thinking about a minute ago. Um, he did not come to condemn the world. That that was that was not his purpose here. His purpose was to come to give his life a ransom for many, spreading the gospel is the responsibility of the church. After Jesus was resurrected and before he ascended to heaven, he gave his disciples instructions to reach the entire world with the gospel. We call this the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 uh, to, to 20. Somebody want to read that? <clears throat> <laughs> and Jesus came and spake to them saying, "All power is given to me in heaven and on go earth. Going ye therefore forth to teach all ages, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you; and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world." Okay. This is called we call it the Great Commission. Um, uh, I don't know if you know this, but it was also the last command that Jesus gave on earth. So uh, I I heard a preacher one time say, if, you know, if that was his, if this was his last command, it should be important to us today. And and it it is important to us today. The book goes on, it says, uh, simply put, Spreading the gospel and teaching new believers are the primary responsibilities of the local church. Uh, other ministries and activities are encouraging uh, and, help, and helpful, but they are not the church's main purpose. The, the purpose of the church, the main responsibility of the church is to share the gospel and to teach or to train believers. Okay. Um, We live in a society today that is entertainment driven and it has a lot of churches have adopted the philosophy. Well, it's our responsibility as a church to entertain and to keep our people busy all the time. And, and that's, not, that's not scriptural. Now, that's fine if they want to do that, but that's not the, 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 the New Testament model of what a, what a church is responsible for. Okay, um, s- spreading the gospel. <clears throat> okay, we got it just a, a couple minutes. Uh, spreading the gospel is accomplished through soul winning and missions. God gives us, a plan to be able to spread the gospel in our own communities and around the world simultaneously. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the world, or the earth. Um, So I, I, I have heard it explained this way, uh, Jerusalem would be a city. Is that correct? Okay. So Fernley would be our Jerusalem. Uh, Judea is a region, or what we would probably call a county, if you would. Um, so <clears throat> Judea would represent probably Lyon County, if not Northern Nevada. Uh, Samaria would be is a was is a country are, are, are uh, would be a state cons- you know would be uh, equivalent to a state uh, so Nevada uh, and then the outermost part of the earth so we have responsibility that 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 exponentially expands out yes samaria was also, also like, didn't like to go there no they did they, not they it's also of the places where you don't exactly and and thank you for that yes samaria was Was the what's the country that? Excuse me. When Jesus was uh, going through Samaria, he said, "I needs go through Samaria." Why? Why did he need to do that? Because he had an appointment with a lady at a well who was a Samaritan. And those of you that know your scripture, what did the Jews think of the Samaritans? Yeah, they've referred to him worse than dogs. They hated them. So yes, the, the, the implication here most definitely is we need to be willing to go places that we would not normally want to go. Yeah, Reno, Nevada. <clears throat> my, my wife, when I told her, I said, I believe I know where God wants us to go start a church. And she said, oh, really? Where's that? And I said, northern Nevada. And she just... Nothing. Hello? Hello. <laughs> Soul winning. The gospel. We we need as 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 believers in Jesus Christ, we need to be people that are sharing and spreading the gospel. It has to be part of our DNA. Now uh, we're gonna we're gonna stop here because uh, I'm out of time. But I wanna I wanna encourage you to do something. <clears throat> I want I want to encourage you to do something. I I want you to do some homework. Okay. Are you ready for this homework? Okay. I want you to go home this week. You got all week to do this. And I want you to write out type out you can do it on your phone i don't care how you do it but i want you to write out your testimony i shared with you my testimony tonight but i want you to go home and i want you to write it out so that's your homework if you've never done that i want you to do that okay that's your homework let's pray dear lord thank you for this day Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And I am so thankful for my friend Joe and my friend Mike that so many years ago, they were not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they were willing to share it with me. And it changed my life. Help us, dear God, to walk with you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.